Then Taylor Corbett sat down for a one-on-one -on -one interview in February of 2000. I'm Susan Stroman, a member of Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, and this is Masters of the Stage. This program is produced and presented by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation in collaboration with the American Theatre Wing. Because this program was not originally intended for broadcast, it is not of the highest technical quality. As a result, portions of the conversation may have been edited. So welcome. Thank you. Uh, let's just start talking a little bit about uh, how you got into this business in the first place. <laughs> you started out as a dancer. I did. I did. Um, I come from a large family of six girls, and I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and my um, mom, who had studied to be a concert pianist, had six children, and actually did a lot of musical jobs, such as choir director and playing piano in ballet studios and things like that. And that's how we all started dancing. It was a sort of babysitting, you know, a way she could take us, you know, be safe and, and um, occupy us. And I really thought I would be a dancer for my entire life. And um, I thought I was really good, you know, even though I was this high, I was... I felt like I looked wonderful, you know, it was a long time before I, um, so I, it was, there was never any doubt, and yet the way our lifestyle was, you know, it wasn't possible to study any consistent, you know, there weren't a lot of fine teachers in that area, in that, in that era, and so, um, that Denver, Denver, Colorado, and so when I got to uh, be about 16, I think a woman moved from the New York City Ballet, and started a school and I, I saw what it really was to train and um, it was sort of an eye-opener because I had been trained in sort of local, small local, very wonderful atmospheres but more recital type of schools and um, then I had this brief, you know, opportunity to study with her and she tragically died so I was then sort of propelled out of Denver because that was a, a impossible to be there anymore and um, so I think I graduated high school and I got on a train like one or two days later and um, and left home you know to come um, to New York to come to New York yeah and just don't know how I, I didn't get swallowed up somewhere along the way because um, there wasn't a, a sort of sort of a, you know organized place to be I, I think I stayed in someone's apartment that someone else knew for a while and then started kind of kicking around and fortunately finally got an apprenticeship at the Harkness House and that was really the first kind of centered training or, or you know a kind of block of time where I was able to train in a sane way for any length of time. So you had a ballet training there? Yeah there was ballet and it was an amazing concept there was ballet, Beatrice Craft taught Indian dancing, Percival Board taught Afro-Cuban Jack Cole actually came in from time to time and taught. So you took three or four classes a day, and um, I was there. It was a very happy time for me. And then I uh, got taken into the Alvin Ailey Company as the only white member at that mm -hmm. time. And so... How long were you there? I was there two years. Two years. We went to Africa and toured all over Europe and uh, the Middle East. Again, you know, it's just so different now because there were no Marley floors. There was no union, Wade, at all. And we, um, 
we really were in some very dangerous situations, which I won't go into now. <laughs> it could be another whole two-day interview. <laughs> but suffice to say, we, we were really, you know, had very close calls, and we were traveling with um, a USIS guy that was just a very small man, and that was our that was our representative from the United States. And we just were in the Belgian Congo at the time, and on our own, just kids, you know, running around, you know. It's and one did, of those things you never forget. And did you then go from there to dancing uh, in musical theater? Yes, I did. I I um, I came back to New York and I uh, got into uh, as a replacement into Promises Promises. My neck problems all come from that show. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I replaced Kelly Bishop actually, and I got to do the little teeny roles that she had done. And that was really thrilling. And I did that for a year. And then um, I had a dance company that I started with, um, actually, former member Rodney Griffin and a couple of other wonderful, wonderful choreographers. And we had a little collective company called Theater Dance Collection. And Is that where you did your first choreography? Yes, actually. Well, I mean, as a child, I choreographed <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and I choreographed musicals in the basement and so you know school things actually I choreographed something Farrell died who's sitting here was Kiss Me Kate wasn't it that's Kiss Me Kate yes that was in (laughs) (laughs) that was at Littleton High School actually Colorado Um, and so but really the first real work came um, then previous to that a a woman had started a teenage company and I assisted Michael Peters actually who was just starting out and Michael Peters was doing a work and then she said why don't you do work and I just said oh no because I you know I don't know how to do it I'm not good at it and she said well just try you know and then it was really just like finding finding your way it was so obvious that that was what I was meant to do and um, really really enjoyed not being on the stage and really enjoyed looking at the stage and that was a revelation. But then I, the Theater Dance Collection gave us all a wonderful opportunity to dance in each other's works. So we sort of had the careers we never would have had. We gave each other those careers and, and really had a wonderful time touring. Remember the grants people used to get? <laughs> well, we oh, got yeah. some of those and we toured with the National Endowment. And it was really, uh, that's why it's so heartbreaking to me to see the younger choreographers without the same kind of facility we had, um, just because of who we were and that we had dance and dance companies, we got grants and were able to to continue for quite a long time. And then I got to do um, a sort of lifelong dream was that Michael Bennett hired me to be the, what they call the floating Cassie, which I'm sure Eccles has never allowed again, but I was, um, (laughs) uh, I was hired to go to the theater and all I had to do was run the show once a week, and I got 350 for it um, per week. And then if there was a long injury or a, a vacation, mm-hmm. I could go out and do the show. So it was always opening night for me. Oh, it was wow. just a thrill <laughs> to do it. was Cassie, and um, I really enjoyed that. And wow, You had so many different choreographic influences from Alvin Ailey, Jack Cole, Michael Peters, <laughs> Michael Bennett. Do you think that they coalesced into a particular style? Would you say that there's a Lynn Taylor Corbett <laughs> style of choreography? Well, I, for a long time I felt, um, uh, not inferior is the wrong word, but I felt confused about my, my creative voice because 
I had also studied acting, and I wasn't sure I wanted to be an actor and a singer. You know, I just wasn't sure. And I think what what finally does happen, though, is that, um, well, I mean, just to jump for a second and swing, finally, you know, I had a chance to amalgamate some of the influences, and it really served me well. In other situations, I think it was confusing and didn't serve me well. But I think from being um, more in the concert circuit, um, I feel that I finally have a recognizable, if not a style in terms of steps, like Twyla Tharp or Merce Cunningham, who kind of really made a syllabus. I think perhaps just in a point of view, in, in the fact that I do theatrical work and um, very character-driven work, even when it's on the more abstract side, I suppose that would be my contribution, if, if I could define one. So when you create works for modern dance companies, the ballet companies, um, they're kind of, they're more theatrical or character-driven types of pieces. Yes, usually so. And how does that work, going back and forth between musical theater and ballet, and, and how does... Well, you know, I was, it was never an ambition of mine to, to, to go back and forth, as it were. I mean, part of any freelance person's life, and I know most of the people in the room are freelance people, is that you really want to stay in the field, and I really wanted to stay in the field, whether it meant doing hamburger commercials or, you know, whatever. I mean, doing my own work is so close to my heart, you know, thinking of something that means a lot to me and, and being able to be commissioned to realize that. It's such a great privilege. The theater was so fascinating because I had been in the theater and um, I loved working with actors and enjoyed the collaborative process that you have, which is different than when you kind of go off and do your own work. I think that, you know, part of the path was necessity, though, really. And what's interesting now that I have a grown child and I don't have to care for my mom anymore is that I have to really look at what I want to do, which is like, who am I now? You know, it's a funny, it's a funny feeling I've given a lot of thought to lately. You know, kind of. And also, I mean, you know, God knows I'm not financially independent to be able to say, oh, I never have to do this again or that again. But most of what I've done, I've really enjoyed, you know. So it's always challenging to learn even about commercials. I've enjoyed that, too. Well, would you say that of all the people that you've worked with, would somebody have been your mentor as you were growing up? You mean artistically? Yeah. Well, I never had that, really, I don't think. I never had that relationship. I was a great admirer of Balanchine. I, my first job was in a, a charrette at the New York State Theater, so I got to work on the fourth ring, because that's how you have to start, and then you work your way down. <laughs> There's a hierarchy and everything. And I was on the high, high, high up, and uh, for a whole season, I saw every ballet in the rep, and I saw all the Robins and all the Balanchine. And I think that was an amazing influence, although at the time, I was only thinking that I was watching the dancers, you know, but it all gets seen and somehow gets logged away. Um, I think perhaps Norman Walker, who used to have a modern dance company and used to run Jacob's Pillow, was very supportive of me. Emily Frank, who for years and years was a solo dancer, was very supportive. But I never had anyone that really, you know, that I was able to spend a long, long period of time with. Um, I think that's... That's interesting because I know that you've been a mentor to so many younger people coming up that it's uh, it's great that you took that on even though you never had it yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so when 
did you actually move from wanting to choreograph to actually wanting to direct? Well, who doesn't want to be the director? <laughs> um, I, I think it sort of was a slow burn in my case. And also think it was a confidence issue because I didn't attend a university or have formal training and um, probably you know, would have been more confident to, to be aggressive about pursuing that. Um, you know, had I had that. But I just thought there was some secret formula that I didn't have, you know. So I suppose it just took a really long time of working with very good directors um, to to realize that a lot of times I could think of things or I would suggest things or even rewrites that got implemented. It was just a really accumulation of small incidents that finally, I suppose, made me able to feel I could do it. And then you know, once you have that sense of yourself, it's very hard when you can't immediately go to work <laughs> as a director. And that took a while. So. What was the first thing you directed? <laughs> um, probably some cabaret stuff. And um, I suppose anything that was in anybody's consciousness years ago, a one-woman show called Mona Rogers in Person, very strange show. Something at La Mama, you know, um, and Cedar Bear and the Frontier Rabbi. Because I did the Jewish rap. These were the earlier, I guess, the earlier efforts. And what were those musical pieces mostly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to what what kind of um, experience was it moving into being the director? I I really liked it because from having to initiate my own work in the concert field, I always had to think of everything. So it wasn't um, it wasn't new to have to be responsible for everything. You know, costuming and so forth. I mean, that was a very good training round because you do 20 or 30 or 40 minute works and it's, you know, not two hours. So it's a good way to, I think, hone those skills. Um, there are a lot more collaborators all of a sudden, though, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And they just become more and more, it seems, <laughs> as you get, you know, up into the echelons where people are spending a huge amount of money. Always more people to cope with. Not cope, it's not a very nice thing. <laughs> Collaborate with. Be creative with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how would you, um, what were the kind of obstacles or things or problems that you had initially as a director? What kinds of things um, did you feel like, oh, maybe I don't quite know how to do that yet, or what do I have to learn? It's hard to define, but absolutely I felt that way sometimes. Sometimes I knew exactly what to do, and and sometimes, you know, it was like, well, there are four different ways to go here, and you know, I'm the one that has to choose the way, and and that was really torturing me. But then I think that what finally happens is that it, you get enough experience that it becomes you don't have to think about it. You just, you know, you're. I think again, it has a great deal to do with confidence and experience, um, at least in my case, and uh, the conscious effort which you have to, I think. When you're beginning, it, it, the conscious effort is, is just takes so much energy. And then as you become more fluid or, or maybe just more truthful about what you really feel in a situation, then the unconscious helps to carry, you know, in my case at least carried me along and really made me truly enjoy it. And once you really truly enjoy it, then something else clicks in. You start and, to trust your intuition. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what was your first Broadway experience? Was chess, chess years back as with Trevor Nunn. Yeah, as how, sort how of did that opportunity come to you? Well, I, I 
Trevor Nunn just um, had known of me and was interviewing several people. And the interview, it's very funny, the first thing he said was, I don't want a choreographer. I don't want choreography. I want someone to help me. This is an awful thing to hear. <laughs> but I want someone to help me make it you know, smooth and, and certainly theatrical, but um, I want it to be a cinematic kind of experience that ultimately did not quite work. But that's why it was, um, it was very strange, I guess, in a way, because the way that you feel that you can really be most helpful is, you know, is sort of eliminated at the top. It's like saying, I want a choreographer, but I don't want choreography. Yeah. So what does he want you to do? Well, I, I suppose it's just a huge job and to, to help feed ideas and to feed motion that seems interesting but not choreographed. And I understood what he was trying to do. It's very difficult to fulfill the expectation of an audience in a Broadway house with, with that kind of... Um, Viewpoint, because you, you can never suspend the reality and go into a sort of I think higher or, or different state of mind when when it's so literal, and I think that is ultimately what made that show not work as well as it could have. What was what did you learn from the experience of working on Broadway for the first time that maybe helped train you for the, your future experiences? <laughs> well, many things. You know, first of all, just the way the machine works. It's just such a machine. I, I had never. I had never encountered that. You know, in my work, thing, relationships were extremely personal, and of course there's less at stake financially. I mean, I think that's always just changes the behavior of people and changes the pressure and the situation, and uh, time is so strangely meted out. You know, it's just, uh, there's, there's so little processing time is what I found from that situation. And I, you know, as in swing, I, I was allowed the process that I needed to do in that situation, no matter who you are, that's what you're given to do. You know, you have this much time and, and it's got to fall within this and, you know, if, if there's a problem with the set, then you've got to stop working so the set can be fixed and mm -hmm. it's really hard. I thought it was really hard and I think it was just a particularly hard situation. Did, was it very different in Titanic? I mean, Titanic did not have a lot of dancing either, really. No, I seem to get a lot of those. <laughs> what was um, your role in that project? That was hard, too, because he didn't want dancing either. <laughs> he wanted the same. It was really a similar thing, and I think there is a similarity because, you know, Trevor and Richard are both English, and I think that a lot of the English, particularly opera directors, do their own staging. A lot of them do. They... You know, I remember Richard would say to me sometimes, um, oh, what are you doing here today? We're not rehearsing the dance. And I would be like, well, yeah, but I'm here for you, and I'm here to support you, and if you need, you know, help. Or... So it was really, he saw me more as he saw the fight director, that we were, we were people to be plugged in. And in America, I think we perceive a choreographer-director relationship as a close, supportive relationship. And so that was that was also difficult. I mean, I did show up every day, you know, despite <laughs> my perception or the perception of me, because oftentimes I was able to help the actors or, you know, help the actors on the side. And you know, even though it was mainly just walking and sort of more a pageant than a, a choreography, um, you know, I felt also that I helped during the disaster time, which I'm sure is you know now 
Now famous, it's legend. yeah. legendary. Um, I think that anyone who is in a situation continuing to be positive and help the actors is somehow helping the show get up there because there was a lot of despair. I mean, it was just really a, a lot of despair. And even if you help someone get a different wig, I mean, I just feel that, you know, I was going to be their goddamn every single day <laughs> helping, even though no one, you know, I mean, even though there was nothing specific in, in terms of my skills. And then every now and then there would be like 15 minutes of intensive, you know, that I would just have to fix something really fast. So, again, it's, it's been a strange thing. It hasn't been a typical, um, I haven't had a typical choreographer-director relationship. And... So I guess so. it all came together when you had to do both <laughs> yourself and you became the director-choreographer on Swing. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, about Swing a bit. How did that project first manifest itself and come to you? Or did you develop well, it yourself? Actually, uh, the idea for the project came from a director-actor called Paul Kelly. And he brought, I think, three ideas to the Frankel organization. And this was the one that they thought was very appealing. I think he had um, gone to some of the competitions and, and brought videotapes or something and said, look what's out there, and, and I don't These think people dance, know about this. Swing dance competitions yeah. around the country. Mm -hmm. And um, they actually, sadly, attract more people than, than ballet companies and dance concerts. I mean, it's really, because so many people can not only watch but participate, I think, is what it is. So, um, they, I had done Song with Singapore for them, which was a lot of fun. That was off-Broadway with A.J. Antune. And um, they thought that this would be a project for me. And so I did a lot of research. Then I picked up all their research, and I continued it and found that two things, really. The, the fascination of why is it back? You know, he's, oh, Swing is big now, but, you know, why would that be? I mean, it's just so, so interesting because... Um, there's no apparent reason for it. It's societal. In other words, why do people suddenly want to touch, look in each other's eyes, trust each other? Um, you know, what, what does that mean exactly? And because we had gone through this whole period where it was yeah. like dancing separate and to you rock know. music. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And now so, people are sort of coming back together. Yeah, and I, I thought this has to mean something good. And um, then when I, when I was actually out in the field and seeing also on videotape and live, these amazing different styles. And then meeting with the people, the gurus of the style, who each are like so fierce about and protective of their, their thing. Um, you know, there's East Coast swing and West Coast swing. And then if, if you're, you know, doing something with an East Coast dancer that violates, they say, well, that's really West Coast swing. And we wouldn't do that. Okay, fine. You know, we wouldn't hold our hand like that. It's so very, very sophisticated. Can you give examples of the differences? Or well, West Coast Swing is what they call slot dancing. It, you do it in a slot. It's a lot of boomerang movements. You get passing each other and a lot of very, very tricky arm movements. And swing, there's a lot of similarity, obviously, but swing is, is freer in, in directions and also has a different style of aerials. You don't point your feet. It's not... Um, you know, there's a relaxation to it that's different. It's the whole look of it's really very different. Um, West Coast Swing actually kind of comes out of disco. It actually developed out of disco and hustle. And, and um, 
you know, the Savoy Ballroom, of course, gave birth to Lindy, and Frankie Manning, who's still very much with us, um, is allegedly, you know, began the invention of the air steps, the aerials. And it's just, it's just a really very sophisticated and subtle. And one of my challenges was to make it less subtle and more obvious and make the styles, you know, even more diverse and try to give them some context so that the audience wouldn't think they were just watching a kind of talent show, mm-hmm. which is what my fear was, you know, when I initially took it on. You had done lots of reviews and things, Rainbow and Stars and other places. So when putting Swing together, did you have to come up with a sort of an overall uh, arc of the show and how it's, how it's going to move? How did you develop? What Ultimately, I did come up with an arc, but it was more from the internal. I was given three workshops, which is really a fantastic thing to be given because dance develops so slowly. You know, it's, I mean, not that everything is hard, but dance is particularly hard because you can't do it alone at home. You know, you have to do it with people. And so I was just really kind of making stabs in these different directions. And the characters that I was using, I mean, the, the, the performers began to suggest things to me. Um, the couple that does the country western swing number, uh, when I auditioned them in L.A., and, and I had seen them on tape, they were fabulous, Robert and Marie, but they didn't have a lot of other kinds of technique like jazz or ballet technique. So um, I invented Robert kind of as the guy that couldn't dance through the show, and then then he sort of did a little bit of a rocky turn, you know, and, and uh, suddenly could dance in his own way. So when you say there wasn't a sort of, I thought if I could describe it, I would like to be like sort of a Cirque du Soleil event, you know, where you just, you don't know what's going to happen next, but it all kind of makes sense. And then really slowly but surely as, as you lay the pieces out on the table, then you can make connections and there's a sort of sense to the evening, even though it's not a story or it doesn't have a lot of continuity that way. But what about with, what about integrating the the singers into mm-hmm. into what was really a dance show? I mean, a lot of the songs in the show are sung and not, not yeah, particularly dance. Yeah, that's right. So how did how did that come out? How did the choice of material come? Well, I mean, I had these great artists. You know, Anne Hampton Calloway, she's so astounding and so astoundingly creative. And um, the first thing we did was just sit around the piano and go through a lot of possibilities, both for herself and for herself and Everett Bradley, who is the uh, male singer. How, how many people have seen Swing? Just out of curiosity. We've got to see it. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and just see what, what started to click, what, what made us all really excited. And then as I began to create um, little sequences for the different couples, I was able to ask Anne, Casey McGill, and I guess Anne and Casey McGill to, to write specific songs with specific stories, which was really great. Because um, I wanted to have some original music in the show. And that it was very evolutionary. And then also when I uh, would get to the end of a workshop period, we had the privilege of with, because it's an AGVA show, we had the privilege of being able to videotape our work. Oh, it's amazing. Because, you know, you could go back and see if something was too long or too short or needed another kick up or needed more people in it. And um, that was really wonderful. Then what we did 
new material, we could say, I wonder how this should go and sort of edit it differently. You know, just kind of look at it on tape. It was such an amazing tool. Especially because there's no script, you can't read it and, and intellectually edit it. So it's a visceral experience dance, and we were able to, to get the order better and better and better. And I would sit around sometimes with Jack Bertel and Jerry Zachs and just, you know, review the tapes and just kind of tweak things or say something's missing here. And That's that was a very exciting process, too. A question I had about... Um, Jerry's role in the production. I mean, he's listed as production supervisor. What does that mean, really? And what, what role did he play? No, there's no guidebook for that. It's just a real tricky thing. I think what it is is that he had never done it, and and you know we had never worked together at all. And he had been um, once the Jujamson organization decided to participate. Jerry is, I believe, listed as their creative director, or maybe that's Jack's title. I don't know. But anyway, they that was something that they wanted. They wanted Jerry's to be an overseer. And we met and he said, look, I don't want to direct your show. I'm, you know, I, I want to be whatever this means. That's what I want to be. And we just have to, you know, communicate constantly. And then I went off and did the third, the third leg of the journey. And then at that point, when, when the sort of parts were all together, we just had a really a lot of fun with it. You know, we had a lot of fun um, tweaking it together, and particularly in the theater when, you know, the workload is just so massive. He would sometimes stay in the audience so that he could work with the lining person, and I would, you know, be changing stuff. Quite a lot of stuff I had to choreograph on the stage in the 10 out of 12s because, you know, a transition just fell flat or something, and so I had to redo edit, and, and Jerry's got a great eye for editing. So, and then he said to the actors, every now and then Lynn and I will tell you something <laughs> that conflicts. <laughs> and, but we'll just laugh. And we did. We did. Usually it just was fine. I mean, so you both spoke to pretty, the actors directly? It wasn't Yeah, I mean, through. sometimes, usually he would say to me, I think this moment isn't coming through. Every now and then, you know, I, I was just too overwhelmed, and I'd say, you know, please tell Anne that, or something like that. It was very... Um, it, it was really very smooth. I mean, it it was actually a very smooth process. A good partnership. Yeah, it was, and I really appreciated it because you know when you get to that last, you get really tired, and it's sometimes you just think, you know, am I seeing everything? Am I, you know, or is something not working? Am I am I getting why? It's uh, it's really nice to have someone, and I think it was, I think he enjoyed it too very much. Because you know it gave him a different capacity than than any I think he's ever worked worked with. There's so many clever moments in the show, and I was just curious about a couple of them. Maybe you could talk a little about your genesis of these ideas. But the the bungee number, <laughs> which is completely wild and fun, wacky. Uh, it's it's uh, I, even, I wouldn't even try to describe it, but it's it's really fun. How did something like that? I've always had a fantasy about flying. You know, I, I when I was a kid in my backyard, I used to run really fast because I was also religious. And they said if you believed anything hard enough, because <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I always it was when the wind blew. I always thought that I would be able to fly. I was pretty little. I wanted to assure you, I was pretty little. And then I used to also sw swing. We had 
really high swings in our backyard in Colorado, and so I used to try to swing till you almost levitate at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's always been something I've really wanted to do. And so I, I started thinking about a number. Um, actually, I was gonna. I went to Las Vegas and worked with Gary Foy for a couple of days because um, I thought that would be it. But it's it's not spontaneous enough. The um, the mechanism has to be manipulated by someone else. So by the time you do a wonderful move, it's like, you know, you can't really, it doesn't feel free. Although it looks phenomenal in the shows that, you know, you've seen at Radio City and all the stuff they've done is amazing. But it doesn't look like swing. You can't move in a, you know, in a real dynamic way. You have to move very carefully. So then I, had, I started thinking about um, what they call negative bungee, which is, you know, obviously you pull against pull it to the floor and then release it as opposed to flying down the way I've seen it used. And um, I was lucky enough to know Chris Harrison of the anti-gravity, of the anti-gravity dance company. It's fantastic. And um, I had known him from the movie Footloose when he was like 18 years old and, and now he has this terrific organization. So I got in touch with him and told him what I was looking for. And the actual apparatus was invented by a friend of his for the show, um, and he's a guy that actually worked at Cirque du Soleil as well. So, uh, to our knowledge, bungees on a track have never been tried before, and the learning curve was <laughs> it was awful. It was so awful and so, technical so expensive. And I know I was like, my initial thing was that it should be very lyrical and you know, really very beautiful. And and then um, you know, I worked on that for a week, and then you know, people came down. They just went. Oh, this is so boring. <laughs> and so I thought, all right, I'm just going to go to the other extreme and um, do something wacky. So I, I had to start all over, and I just had a tape with like five or six different tunes, including Bill's Bounce, which I eventually used. And I would just, we would work out moves, and I would just let the tape play because the bungee is oh, it's so tricky. It's, um, say if you wanted to make it go faster, you can't. I mean, it's, it's like it just... It has a mind and a life of its own. And I finally, by just like letting the thing play, figured out that the Bill's Band's song was, was going to be the one. And so then we, we could backtrack and take all the material. And even in the, in the sort of unsuccessful week, I learned a lot about it. And I had a lot of moves that had been successful. And well, the dancers look like they're dancing with each other. They really look like they're partnering <laughs> each other. And they're, you know, yeah. they're playing. Yeah. The women aren't working hard. The men are really hard. Yeah. The men, the men are working really, really hard. It's hard. And then for the for, for the previews, they were never together. And sometimes one would go flying off to the side. And then, oh my God, one night, one of the girls went to jump up on the platform in the wings, and and she didn't make it. And then she swung under. And oh, we just thought oh, this is too dangerous. We're going to have to cut it. And it's just such a big deal. But you know, finally, I think we just got the technique of it. And. Um, in the nick of time. Oh, it's now it's one of the most different. <laughs> oh, now everybody things. loves to do it. Yeah. And the other, the other one that um, I was curious about, and maybe those of you who've seen it have other ideas, but the uh, the trombone. Um, yeah, Crimey River. Crimey River. Yeah. Just, uh, just love that number. And uh, how did something like that develop? In this number, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, the the trombonist is actually, and the trombone becomes like a seducer of this. Dancer, <laughs> and uh, she's actually having a relationship with the trombone itself. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's was that something that just popped into your head? Or? Well, I, I think we made it. We we wanted 
you know, a very special band. We wanted the band to have a real identity, and that then manifested itself, manifested itself into trying to find real roles for the band members, like the, the guy that plays the bass, and particularly, and, and even just the horn guys that do Boogie Woogie Bugle Boys, like getting them off the bandstand, and the trombone um, number was partly just because that guy was so talented and so willing to, you know, try things, and I just started thinking, you know, let me just try this, and then he was wacky enough to, you know, really go with it. Sort of like an improvisational... Mm -hmm. That's well, it was, thank God, for a workshop process, because if you set up, say, you know, I have to do this in a production period, develop a number for a trombone player, and and a performer, I just think you'd be much more conservative because you'd be so aware there's no, there's so little error time. And that how was long, a beautiful how, thing. About, how long were each workshop? Well, I had one a year, about, well, in October, a year and a half ago now, or, you know, that October of 98, and then one in the spring and then one in the late summer. And how long a time period three, for each three one? Three weeks. Three weeks for each mm-hmm. one. And each time you developed more aspects of... Right, and, and I had the, the good fortune that in the middle one they didn't ask me to put the whole thing together. I just worked on the material. And that's, again, because the videotape, you have the other material. So instead of having to prove that this material could follow that material, I could just show material that I felt worked and then put it into the sort of outline that was growing. And it was really, it was really nice. Because otherwise you spend all your time rehearsing stuff that, you already know it works, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I never would have, I never would have made it. I never would have made it. It seems like dance has all of a sudden come back to musical theater in such a major way. We went through this big period with all the big British musicals. There was literally no dancing, uh-huh. and uh, sung through musicals, and and now this year, swing and Mossy, Mossy, I mean, it, dance seems to be back. Do you have any? Notion as to what to what to attribute that the resurgence of dance. I don't dance know. Maybe it's the theater. cyclical thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, you know. Maybe river dance stimulated it. Who knows? I mean, it's just um, it's really hard to say. I remember when I was at Radio City seeing the first. I guess, well, it wasn't the first river dance. It was river dance when it first came here, and thinking, you know, look at all the people sitting in the audience watching dance. I mean, it's just amazing and. You know, New York City Ballet can't do that, and the American Ballet Theater can't do that, and and yet something has done that, and I think that it um, somehow there's an appetite for it that just wasn't there before. Yeah, I hope it continues. I do too. I love dance, but um, let's. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit and talk about your foray into the movies, mm-hmm. the world of film. Um, Footloose, which is now obviously a stage show, had originally been mm-hmm. a film, That's which right. you choreographed. Yeah. What was it like choreographing for the movies as opposed to what made it different? Oh, I had a really, I was very lucky to have Herbert Ross as a director because, you know, he's um, a choreographer and uh, certainly a, a very choreographic in his filmmaking. Um, and so I didn't know how to do it. I had no idea how to do it. And, and um, basically, he he sort of taught me as I went and, you know, to really walk around the action and not see the obvious proscenium shot as the most interesting one. And as all choreographers, I would be always so upset when they didn't show the full body or, you know, they would move the camera around. And 
Did you have part to something to say about where the camera was going to be during? No, the not in that one. In, a little bit later in the other one I did with him, but in that one, really, um, you know, he was, you know, very in control <laughs> in all aspects of it. And I mean, he did a great job. And sometimes he would say, "Can't you give me a shot where I can do so and so?" And then I would do that. You know, I got more facile. And then after that, I, I did quite a few commercials, and I did get rather good at where the camera should be, and just by doing it, well, by doing it and singing. What film you did with him? My Blue Heaven. Oh, right, mm -hmm. right, with um, Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Yeah. And uh, does that make you want to direct films as well? I would love to. I would love to. It's kind of a full-time job getting into that world, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's right now I'm just so excited and happy about the projects I have. I have friends who are just having films come out on HBO, or, but they've worked on those things for three years, and they've just, you know, I mean, it's really hard. Sometimes people just get into a loop or a groove, and, and that happens, but to really put all my other work on hold and devote myself to that, I don't think that that would be something I would want to do right now. What are your future projects? What kinds of things do you have? Well, right now I'm doing a very interesting project in Pittsburgh on um, Nina Horn, which I'm really enjoying with Vivian Reed, which is part of a big jazz festival. And I'm doing what a work. What kind of a project is that? I use it's um, using the, the Pittsburgh Valley Theater in a big organization there, a big jazz organization called the Manchester Craftsman's Guild. And you know that one? Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, gosh. I, I keep asking people, do they know of this? And they don't, so that's great. They do amazing work all over the world. And, um, and so that's a, a big project that's going to happen in, in May. And then I'm doing something with Andrea Marcovici for, it's Diva, Diva year, yeah. for um, actually with the Dancers of the North Carolina Ballet. So in these cases, is it the singer with dancers behind them, or are they separate acts, or how does that work? Um, pretty integrated into the, into the movement. In both cases, these women move very well. I don't mean they dance, but you know, it's a th it's a theater dance piece. And in Vivian's case, it has text. And Ashley and Andrea's um, case, there'll be some text also. So it's a sort of a new form, still challenging. I'm quite sure how it's going to turn out, but um, we're really having a lot of fun with it. If there were a dream project that you've always wanted to do, or you could envision oh, yourself God. doing, and there were all the money in the world to make it happen. What, uh, what would you like to do? We should probably come back to that. <laughs> okay, you can think about that for a really while. long time. <laughs> I mean, because you think of them and then they go away. You know. You... Okay, well, we can come yeah, back to that. Yeah, come back to that one. Um, something that um, some of the people here might be uh, interested to hear is uh, what advice you would give for choreographers who are just sort of starting out in their career, or director choreographers, and what could you tell them about, in your experience, uh, what would you say to them? You know, everybody's path is so different, and it, what I find, you know, hard in terms of, of um, giving advice, and, and especially to young choreographers, is that the world is so different now, and where I went to Clark Center and said to Louise Roberts, you know, we want to do a concert. And she could have the calendar and just say, okay, when? And it'll be $300 to rent the hall. And boy, oh boy, I tell you, 
it just is, it's a different, it's a different whole world. I mean, we never sent videotapes or even had videotapes at that point. Um, I think it's very good that the mentoring thing is very good, you know, um, well, I send so many people to you, you know that, through the foundation, and I've, I've gotten people from you. And um, I think that assisting someone is sometimes more uh, useful than writing all the letters in the world, because I think it's, or sending videos, it's, it's um, maybe you have to do both, but I think that it's not changed that much in that, you know, people, it's, it's the network of, of really people. And, and people telling you about someone else's work. And although it's become a, a way more sophisticated world <clears throat> on some levels, I think that that's the way to go. You know, it's just, I mean, you know, I've had people call me up and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, told me to call you. And a lot of times I can say, I'm not doing anything right now, but there's a production, you know, a friend of mine, maybe they need a, somebody to help them. There's this thing that's happened uh, lately, I think it's only recently, where directors have auditioned choreographers to become yeah. the choreographer on a particular show. What do you think about that? I don't that? know. It's, it's creepy to me, frankly. I, I don't know. It really bothers me. I understand it on the level of, okay, I see your videotapes, but I don't see on your videotape a pirate dance or something, you know. So <laughs> my show, The Hinges on this pirate dance, so I need to see what you would do with that material. On the one hand, I, I, I really understand it, because seeing is believing. But on the other hand, it seems like there has to be some sort of leap of faith based on just someone's talent and your instinct that that person is going to be, you know, doing a great job. Um, and I know it's it's kind of here to stay now, Things from from what I see, and I, it's it's funny because I think at one meeting we had here, Joey McNeely said that even when he had I don't know how many one two shows playing on Broadway, that he was getting the same call to say, could you audition for this particular show? And he'd say, well, but you could see my work here or here, or on these videotapes, and they would say, yeah, but it's not exactly the same as the work that's in my show. So. <coughs> I mean, you, whatever you develop for the audition, it's not going to be what you're going to develop for the final project anyway. So yeah. I don't know what more they're going to learn. I don't know. I mean, I, I always try to see, could I put myself in those shoes? And But I, I don't think I can. I don't think I would feel comfortable doing that to choreographers. You don't do it to a lighting designer or a set designer. Um, you don't do it to a musical director to say, could you direct this music? and pull together a band so that I can hear how you handle it. <laughs> and I just, I feel the same way about us. I don't think we should have to do that. Yeah, when they ask you to do that, they ask you to find dancers. Yeah, absolutely. And then what, here's what bothers me the most, is it puts dancers in the position of, of saying, oh, I, if I do this, maybe I have a chance to get this job. So in a funny way, it's a double audition, and a lot of them don't. And I think that, that recently maybe there's been more um, a sort of acknowledgement that, you know, here's $1,000, you can rent a studio and you can give each dancer $100 or something, you know. Mm. I've heard that they're paying them to do it more now. I'm not up on this. Barbara probably knows it. You know, you guys probably know a lot of, maybe it's developed since, since I knew about it, but um, it's, still, it's still sort of a strange position to put dancers in, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been dominating the conversation, and I wanted to find out if you all had anything you would like to 
ask. We're sorry, but this question was inaudible. I really tried to make people understand, and I said a million times to them, this is a swing-inspired show. Hi, Julie. Um, this is not, um, it, it's perhaps not going to be as genuine in each style as, you know, as you would do in a competition, but it's a larger arena, and we have to amplify what you do. And yet, having said that, I always started with their source material, and as a matter of fact, the ones that had set routines are credited as performing their own work, because obviously they've been doing the same thing for five or ten years or something like that. So, But what I would was able to do would be to, to reshape it and to, to kind of switch it around to find a, the arc and give it more of a beginning, middle, and end. A lot of times make it shorter, because a lot of those competitions are about five minutes long. And, you know, it wasn't without um, its moments, but basically I think it was fairly pleasant. And I think when they saw the effectiveness of it, you know, when they could actually do it on the stage and have some feedback from the audience, then they were, oh, it's okay, you know, we can, we can let go of the fear of, of that. And, and also I went to, as I said, I went to the guru of each form. I went to, you know, in West Coast, I went to Buddy Schwimmer and several people that, you know, were considered at the top of the field. And so that, you know, we paid anyone that I went to as a consultant. You know, if, if I would say, buddy, what's the latest thing going on in the field? And he would put it on video, you know, we paid for the privilege of using it or not, which a lot of times we didn't because the people that we had were, you know, they had their own material pretty well in control. But I think the research process that they could see, you know, that the research process had been so exhaustive that they respected it. You know, they respected how hard I was trying to to really do my best to, to present their style. So, and then, you know, it's from personality to personality, too. Yeah. We're sorry, but this question was inaudible. Slow, <laughs> 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 quick, quick. I, yes, I know, yeah. They have so many terminologies. And then sometimes, you know, um, a couple that, because I had an injured couple, it came into the process injured and then got worse. But um, a couple came in from the, you know, coast, and I'd say, well, what is that called? They say, well, that's called the gill. What's it called? It's called the Joe. And and then it turned out to be the people that had invented those steps in the circuit. You know, with, they would name the steps after them. So. Um, so you say, do a gill and a Joe, and then a gill, and then turn around and do it. <laughs> Sometimes I call them by its name, but but you know, I I certainly didn't pretend that I was going to become an expert at these styles yeah. in a year and a half. I mean, I had Maria Torres, you know, and Rick Valenzuela came in. He was a consultant. And then I found Carlos Sierra from Valle uh, Hispanico, who really wasn't a ballroom dancer, but did a lot of club dancing in Puerto Rico. And they made a partnership that was fantastic. So, and you know, Maria um, does more like a, what they call a street Latin. It's not a competition Latin. And so we kind of amalgam things. It was, it was a, a massage. <laughs> it was really like massaging a lot of ideas into into one short piece. Um, the country was very interesting to do, a lot of fun to do. Um, Where did that, Latin. Those, those people had come with that style, was that different than East and West Coast swing, the country swing? Yeah, country, country has a different kind of, some different moves, although it's very similar to West Coast really, but it, it has a different kind of sensibility. So. But um, 
basically what they do is their own rearranged by myself. The Latin was a real development between Maria, you know, Rick Valenzuela, Carlos, you know, that, that kind of thing. It just took a long time to form. The West Coast um, actually started with Beverly Durand and a, a different partner, and then the guy that stood in the back so eager to do it, you know, just finally turned out to be fantastic at it. And he learned it. He didn't know it at all. So it's interesting. We made some couples and we brought some couples from that world into our world. And <clears throat> it was a real, um, it's a sort of a real marriage, finally. And I think everybody really is very comfortable with everybody else right now. There was a period where it's like, well, we are the real Broadway dancers. And, you know, that was, that was a kind of... What you do about hard. that? What you do about that? Well, we just kept, you know, periodically sitting down after the warm-up and say, we just want to go back to the original thing that we've said, is that this is a... It's a, it's a swing show. It's a, it's a Broadway show. It's going to be on a Broadway stage that has components of authentic dancing and also has a fantasy component. It's the spirit of the swing. It's, you know... You're not hard and fast to get to all the rules that right. they all set up. Right, right. So, and, and the Broadway dancers probably were just thrilled to learn all these different yeah, styles. Yeah, they were. They were really, really loved it. I think really loved it. Yeah. I understand that you have uh, couples when, when somebody in a couple would Often so, yeah. Uh, is when you when when the principal and your your West Coast specialists go and mm-hmm. there a couple of, of another specialist. You know, interestingly, with the West Coast, I think we found that it's a learned. It's one of those things you can learn. It's it's interesting because the woman that. Um, that, that swings in is as absolutely amazing, and she's never done it before. And the the only reason that um, we in that particular case we do swing in a whole couple is just because of the danger element, because some of it's so quick. There are other um, other examples in the show where we don't do that because it's a little more conventional. <clears throat> but those quick grips and the stuff they do, the drops, it's just too scary. And um, you know, we're, we're still on a learning curve, believe me. We are still on a learning curve. Could you even have like uh, other companies of the show? Are there enough dancers who can do all these dances? And other you know, shows? slowly but surely. It's, it's um, slowly but surely we're finding people. And are you going yeah. through like uh, a training session, uh, training program we're just, for them? We're just actually beginning to develop that. Um, there are some, independent of our show, there are some workshops that have been set up around town um, that that we're talking to just in terms of the fact that they're so good and, and we're very excited to send people that um, are potential people for the show and just you know say this would be a great thing for you to do because it's it, it really shortens the learning time it takes a long time to put someone in the show right now how do you deal with uh, I mean is, is it a high injury um, show I have a feeling that <clears throat> our coming out of the uh, the really quite terrible ten out of twelves and the you know the Lindy has so much bouncing you know where you don't put your heels down it's just so not body friendly you know in, in, in ten out of twelve context and we try to be careful and we, we always say to them you know please if you feel anything 
let's not do it or but you you can't know i mean you you know you, if you're going to turn your ankle you can't know 15 minutes before to say gee i think i'm going to turn my ankle you know i better stop now so um the, I think that period caused some chronic problems that have resulted in a very bumpy, you know, start there. But we are finding that leveling out, which is really nice because I think they're back in their lives. They're, you know, they have a rhythm now. They they have time off, and um, we're we're presently much more stable. I've seen the show three times. At different times, of, you know, early preview and then opening yeah. night, and, and since then, I find there's you know tremendous consistency to the, the high level of. Oh, uh, good! There. I'm happy to hear you say that. I mean, even from early preview, which is the first time I saw the show change mm-hmm. from is. early preview yeah. to opening night. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought that there, the you know the energy and the uh, precision of the dancers was, was always right there. Oh, good. I'm very happy to hear that. These I are think the very. The last time of the couple that was out at the beginning was finally in, the last time that I saw. Oh, that could be, yeah. Um, we just very sadly had um, the, the, the Lindy couple, the world champion Lindy couple, that kind of was the seminal couple of the whole show, has been out most of this run so far. Just because they were not, he was not a, a, a dancer that was trained in other techniques. And I think just the, the different kind of schedule and the it was just too too much. But he's on his way back in, so yeah. happy about that. Yeah. Um, No, I, I actually, even though some of the experiences haven't been very fulfilling, I, I mostly worked on new work, just almost maybe by, I don't know, just luck. <clears throat> I did do um, carousel in the CLO, you know, where you have to do it in 10 days. And um, that was, ooh, that was just hairy. But um, most of the other stuff I've done is new work. And again, you know, I don't know, or, or sometimes it's the people that you're, uh, you know, kind of neck and neck with, you know, and, and then they suddenly become a director of a theater, or writers that I've met that, that are, you know, kind of not doing much, and then suddenly they've written something that's being produced, and, and it's, believe me, not, you know, not great money, usually, but um, I do really enjoy that a lot, like working at the vineyard, and that's, you know... This is where my heart is, is new work, honestly. But, I mean, Susan Stroman hasn't done badly with Oklahoma. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, if you've got something Music wonderful there. like that. Speaking of, uh, Susan, did you see Contact? Yes. The other yeah. swing show? She's a friend, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's funny. We all, we're just always saying, isn't it a shame people do that? Because it's such a different show and such a different impulse. And, they're really dance plays and very, very specific, and the, the purpose was very, very different. And um, so, but I was thrilled, thrilled for her. I know, it's really thrilled. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, we are, they've got one, two, three. Okay, go. Did you ever see 
That's a good question. I don't. I, I, when I was very young, a, a dancer in Colorado, someone taught us lava notation, which is a wonderful system. And I just never practiced it or learned to use it. And so um, I just, you know, do it with my own notes. I usually write out the counts, and I would never show it to anybody. But that helps. <laughs> and then the people that really, you know, the, the dance captain people with those kind of minds, I mean, they really notate it. And... Um, I know Lisa Shriver notates in the computer now. She notated the entire Christmas Carol, and they can actually set the show from her notes. So it's a, it's a real gift. It really is. I, I just, that's why I appreciate her advisory capacity, but that never panned out. You know, it's funny. I didn't go see it for a long time because the, the memory of the movie was just such a wonderful memory for me. And... Um, then I finally went, and I, I really had a good time. It was because it was so different. It was just, you know, so divorced from the. It didn't parallel the movie in many, many ways. And I think um, Walter, at least as a director, focused a lot on the character of the father, and you know, those characters were more defined, I think, than in the movie. And um, it was very different. I mean, it was strange sitting there. I have to say, hearing those songs, but it was. It, then I felt grateful that I hadn't done it. You know what I mean? Because it was just—it was just ten years. How long is it? It's fifteen years later, and um, it's just not a kind of dancing I'm interested in. I love to watch it, but I wouldn't have been right for it. I wouldn't have picked me, <laughs> actually. That's right, yeah. Yeah. They were doing choreographed exactly. partner dancing, right. basically. They were like together. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, although our show is very much lead follow, it, you know, as a choreographed piece, when you know what's going to happen next, it's not true lead follow. Like, when you see these amazing couples that just can come together and say, oh, let's dance, I've never met you, and then they're just to think, how are you doing that? And that's such a sensitivity. And I think our, our Broadway dancers have gotten very good at that. But the purpose of the show was that. And I think Susan's purpose was to use swing-style dancing to express the sort of purgatory where this guy went. So yeah, I don't believe she even really had a big-time swing consultant. I think she just drew on her assistance. There's a very small bit of jive um, that I worked with a couple called uh, Tony Meredith and Noli Lepetan. I don't know if you've heard of them. You're in the ballroom circuit, I'm sure, or the competition. And they um, they did some stuff for me that I eventually used some of it in the USO. And then we edited a, a, a lot of that out just to make the thing pace faster. There's still just a little tiny bit of it. But I just wanted to try to get it in, you know. And also some some of the Hollywood style dancing, what you know it was a different people kind of invented the what they call Hollywood style swing. I did most of my commercials, 
were done, you know, more like in the late 80s and the early 90s and in some of my videos. But <laughs> I don't know. I, well, you know, really, really, usually everybody really knows their job. I mean, it's, it's, it's a kind of awesome thing if you're on a good commercial because you know you have two days. Julie's done a million of them. And um, usually it's all storyboarded out so you know what the expectation is. And even sometimes they have really interesting shots, so you kind of listen to the music and you say, oh, that'll take eight counts or so. And then, you know, they can edit it. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard process in that it's grueling. You need to plan a lot. But in, in a way, you know, if you get part of a shot done and it's over, then it's over, and the dancer doesn't have to do that plus that. So you can really hone in on very few counts. And that was one thing about it that's fun. I mean, it's fun to look back and say, that went really well, you know, because we only had to do it once right. Whereas with this, yeah. it's so much harder to, to keep doing it <laughs> over and over and over. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was, it's not something I ever want to do again, but I did enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> Other questions? Yes, yeah, Stephen. Um, It's an expectation thing. I mean, I in the in the um, for instance in the Titanic situation, I think I continually irritated Richard because I had a different expectation. I I misunderstood. You know, I in the pre-production we had such a smooth relationship and such an exciting creative relationship. But when we got into the phase of of actually working, he was used to working as an autonomous person and using different people. And because of the way I worked with American directors, I just kept misunderstanding what he needed or wanted. And I would say that, you know, the clearer that you can be about what you really need to do, but you maybe love that person to watch it and to see if there's any suggestions. But in this particular scene, you would rather do it. Because a lot of times what will happen is that two people speak up and then that's uncomfortable. And But here you would like that person to take the lead. But you would also need to give input. Because it can't look like two different people. I mean, that's the tricky thing. You mean the music you need for your work? Yeah. Well, some, you know, sometimes you need a different kind of support for for larger, more choreographic movement, you need a, sometimes the tempo has to be faster, and, you know, you have to kind of see what you're hearing, and it's, it's difficult to know, because I don't know the, the person in the style, because some people are more minimalist, and they, they don't like strong rhythms, or, but it just seems to me that you have to, whatever the need of the scene is, has to be discussed so thoroughly, so that the musician and the choreographer have some parameters 
And then I think, you know, there has to be some freedom in order for people to get at what they do. And, you know, hopefully the time to let that be flexible so you can also go back and say it's too fast or it doesn't seem appropriate after this. Or... I mean, it's an interesting question because I think a lot of directors and choreographers, when they work together, they're not sure where one person's job begins and the other person's ends. And they're worried, am I taking encroaching on what, what this other person is supposed to be doing? Right. How do you develop that kind of line? Boy, that's a that's a human level question. You have to spend a lot of time. You do. Again. I think so. You really have to and get you to know people. Each ways of working, and if you don't, even if you think you know each other, you have to know each other from an artistic point of view. What, she has to understand what kind of things you like, what I do, how you like things. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, and then there just has to be the trust that you know, that you can permeate each other's territory to a certain degree because that's when the best collaboration happens. We're sorry, but this question was inaudible. I had such a, I mean, just I'm just going to quote my friend Graziella Danielle. She, she once said to me that she was met with someone, I said, oh, how did it go? This is a long time ago. And she said exactly what you're saying. The person said, well, when we get to this number, I'm going to do this part of it and you do this little thing. And, and she said, you know what, you don't want me then because that's not what I'll be good at, you know, I'll be, if you tell me what you want and where you want the person to start and finish and, you know, describe carefully, then it will look better if I do the entire thing. Um, I think that might be true. I mean, some directors are incredibly musical, and you could say, I mean, it is your right to say, you know what, I'm going to do these three songs because I think I really have a vision and a feel, and once they're done, you come in and tell me, you know, are there other ideas that could enliven it? And these songs are, I don't have, you know, as much of a sense of them. Why don't you have a go? And this is kind of the image I have of, of the arc of this thing. And I think it's just, you know, it's a communication thing. I don't think there's a formula. That's what, you know, we despair about sometimes. Where is the guidebook, you know? <laughs> and it's just, it's a self-invention, the whole process. But the successful collaborations, like obviously how Prince works with, um, on, you know, I mean, Pat. Oh, Pat, Pat Birch. He's also worked with Susan Strong. Yeah, exactly. Joe. And there have been some really good collaborations and with other cases, too. And you can only assume that there's a tremendously fluid and non-threatened um, relationship there. Yeah, I mean, I, all of the above. I mean, I, I work with directors that were, um, I, I felt micromanaged in the sense that, and then what happens is that you freeze up and you don't do very good work because you just, you, how can you? It sort of has to come from a deeper place. Um, we're sorry, but this question was inaudible. Well, I mean, I, I suppose in the way it's set up, you know, yeah, that's that's why that's called the director and the choreographer is kind of like the the person that's at the right side and and hopefully, you know, if people understand how they can use and utilize that person, that's a smart person. And it's not that you don't have, um, but I know what you're saying. Dance takes so long that by the time the rehearsal period's over 
or even halfway through, I, I mean, I would just suggest that you'd say, let me just sketch it. Like, give me a couple hours. Let me just sketch something out for you because it's hard. I can't turn my head like a projector and show you what I mean because, you know, words don't describe it. So let me just sketch out the first couple verses or, you know, see if there's a way that way to, to reach a communication. Well, just say, can I have the dancers for a couple of hours, and I won't fill in all the steps, but let me just sketch this for you, because I think you're going to be, it's going to really excite you, or really, you know, give the piece a lot of energy at a certain point. I think it's just a negotiation, a whole relationship. But I think what often happens is a certain threatenedness, as David was saying, that, that that really pushes the two people. And then people get fearful of their, you know, their parameters and their control. And But I think if, you know, I would just say, look, in, in a sort of subconscious way, you're the boss, and I understand that. But I'm really talented, and I have a fresh idea here that's really worth taking a look at. I don't mean literally to say that, but that, that really has to be the way it goes, I think. Is there a difference between... Choreography and musical staging, or is it just a euphemism for the same? I suppose typically people think of choreography as a more developed dance, and musical staging as you know more naturalistic. But I know some people are insist upon musical staging by, and other people insist on choreography by, and it's it's a, it is a hard delineation. It's probably just an extreme, you know. We're sorry, but this question was inaudible. That would be really a challenge for me, but I, I think I would like to do that at some point. Um, because I, I really love text. My father was a writer, and I'd love to take on more of those kinds of shows. And you really can't be everywhere at the same time. Um, some people hire co-choreographers, or, you know, it depends on the kind of show. Or if you just really knew someone who was do such a smashing job, I think I'd be really comfortable and like to try that sometime. Any closer to uh, what we were talking about earlier, ideas about dream, dream <laughs> projects? <laughs> to bring you well, to not to be specific, but I, I dream of, of developing a, a big show from the beginning with writers and you know, musicians and um, just having, you know, maybe basing it on a book. Um, Actually, I, I'm sort of close to getting the rights for something, which is why I can't say what it is. But, um, you know, I'm excited about the prospect of really, you know, a, a something with a lot of text that that is a more, I suppose, traditional musical in the sense that it has <clears throat> songs and scenes. And the narrative structure. Yeah, just getting the rights to something and, and getting writers to help me make a theater piece out of it. That's really challenging. We're sorry, but this question was inaudible. It is. It, it, uh, this show would not have made it, not have made it. We just needed that. I mean, Wade's here from Agva, and it's, it's interesting that, you know, I wonder what your point of view is about that, Wade. And it did. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Sometimes they would say, "Can I go back and look at the way I did that? I don't understand why that's not working." But I, 
I, I don't know what baffles me because the thing is that, you know, these aren't, as, as Wade said, you can put the restriction on it. You can even put not for use. I mean, you can even print stuff across the bottom so no one ever conceivably use it. Point out in addition, there was one person who contributed some routine, some steps, whatever, I don't know who it was, who objected to and his portion was not supposed to be written. Mm -hmm. He said, I think it's when he was instructed, but it wasn't like the choreography. But he was instructed to some other people. And he said, I do not want my instruction Oh yes, I remember now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think this this whole fear maybe arises from some, um, you know, from some way old stuff when maybe stuff got videoed and found its way onto television, or who knows? I mean, I'm sure there was. There's always a reason for these rules. I think one of it is a while back it used to be that things were videotaped. You gave a copy to the performer. Those things started to end up uh, uh, for the real, which was okay and understandable use. Yeah. Because here's a wonderful thing for your agent to use. But since usually those tapes involve more than just that performance, other people were being seen in places that they may not want to Right. And that's where a problem arose. So yeah. from there, it became very strict. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a shame. I don't know. It's it's for dance. It's just crazy. At least with the script, you have a script. Of music, you have the music. But for dance, it's just absolutely impossible without it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We we get to videotape. Usually, I think most concert places I have. Tapes, even at the New York City Ballet, it's very restricted. You know, it's a terrible tape, but at least you have it. You can recreate the work. Does it seem fair? We still have time for one or two more, so we're winding up here. Um, yes, I didn't see this one. I saw it when it was first yeah. here. Did you, did you get the idea of really bringing the styles out, you know, the diversity of matter? Was that your own idea? It was more, I think, just just my own discovery that there were so many styles out there and, and you know, swing, usually people think of Lindy and then as I started to uh, really see the spectrum, I got more and more excited and I just wanted to, you know, find as many styles as I could for the show because it is all swing and, you know, I think most people have never seen a lot of this or, or don't recognize it as swing and, you know, the Latin and the, the Western, it's just... It's amazing, and it's all kind of morphed. You know, it's not pure from. You know, everybody didn't start in 1945. I mean, these things have influenced each other like crazy. Western swing, I think, happened when. I'm going to say this wrong, but um, a swing band was touring Texas, and I think guested in with Bob Wills, or they were in different clubs, and and they went across town to 
hear, you know, the other bands, and then they just said, oh, I'm going to start doing this, and they started ad- adapting the style, and the whole thing is a huge development of American music, and, and I think the dance is, is also very uniquely American. Oh, absolutely, yeah. A lot of old rockabilly bands and things, swing bands, and it's really fascinating. Do you often go back and watch the show and give notes and follow up? Intermittently, yeah. Intermittently, not not every night or anything like that. And, and also, you just have to give people some slack, you know. But I do, I just had a big note session, and I have some rehearsals this week, some coaching sessions, and also just to coach the swings, because they didn't get any attention they didn't get a lot of attention in the initial stages. So, yeah, I think that's really important to rotate back in. We're sorry, but this question was inaudible. I don't know about anything at the at this moment, but it would be so wonderful. Is that new yeah. thing, Broadway Television Network? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be great. What? Yeah. So, uh, it would be great. So there's a future there. Yeah. Wow, so much. Will you join me in thanking Lynn for uh, Oh, thank you. It was fun. Again, this is Susan Stroman, and thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage, made possible through support from Stage Directors and Choreographer Society, the National Theatrical Union celebrating five decades of uniting, empowering, and protecting professional stage directors and choreographers. Visit us online at sdcweb.org. This online series is presented in collaboration with the American Theatre Wing, dedicated to illuminating how theatre is made through the words of the people who make theatre. Visit them online at americantheaterwing.org.